Fantasy Football Weekly on KFAN, presented by Devonis. Your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Fantasy Football Weekly is also brought to you by Green Belt Premium, No Name Butcher Quality Meats, Honda, Town Hall Family, Luther Hyundai, and by the Park Tavern. Now, now, along with Fanball and League Safe's Matt Harrison and Brian Johnson. Here's Paul Charchian. You know, Matt Harrison's going to be here like four times all year, and yet somehow he's in the intro. No Matt Harrison. In today, my co-host are Brian Johnson, as always. Steady as a rock, unlike Matt Harrison. And Scott Fish, you did so well last week, we've decided to ask you back. Thank you. I feel so much more comfortable that I've, as you can see, I've taken off my pants. Matt said it was okay. It's Well, it's normal. That's oh, what okay. we do here. Perfect. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pantsless episode. They're all pantsless episodes. <laughs> if not for us, then for sure for our listeners. Uh, all the good stuff you know and expect in the show coming up. Five hot questions, the take a chance on me. We'll break down every matchup, fantasy style, premature speculation, and lightning round at the end of the show coming as well. So all of that goodness coming over the next two hours. As always, many thanks to our decade-long sponsor, Grain Belt Premium, the official beer fantasy football. We'll talk a little bit more about your opportunities to uh, crush me at grainbelt.com later in this show. We begin with maybe the most moribund matchup of the weekend, the Jets taking on the Miami Dolphins. Miami is the lowest-scoring offense in the league, yet they have a winning record. They've done it on the back of a sneaky good defense. Are there any Jets players that you want to start this week? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for in the passing game, Josh McCown has had three games of multiple touchdowns, but the Miami pass D, as you kind of mentioned, is top 10. They've only allowed one multi-touchdown game and no one over 300 yards since week two. McCown had 249 and a touch in week three against them. I think that's realistic this week. I'm giving McCown a C grade. I'm giving both of his receivers, Jermaine Curse and Robbie Anderson, C grades as well, and kind of hesitantly. Anderson's been hurt, but he should play. Curse has caught four balls in, in each of the last three games. Anderson led the t- team in targets in the last two weeks. Neither has topped 80 yards, but, you know... I, I think that that volume has got to go somewhere a little bit. I think most of the volume, however, I give Steve grades on them. Most of the volume, however, I think it's going to be Austin Safari and Jenkins. Mm. He's led the team in targets since his return, tied for the team lead, averaging over seven per game, 19 in the last two weeks. And the Dolphins are allowing a second most catches to tight ends and the second most targets to tight ends. Great matchup, A grade for him. I'm kind of benching the entire running game, though. I would, too. Yeah. Can we talk about that ASJ touchdown that got taken away real quick? <clears throat> nah, was well, that not the worst? That was that terrible. Was a, it was a bad call, for sure. But I think it's been talked out six days later. I think we can all agree that his owners uh, got I'm jobbed. I'm still bitter. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Uh-huh. Terrible. Well, I am benching the entire running game here. With uh, Powell coming back, McGuire's going to go back to the bench for the most part. Forte did have a bunch of catches last week, but he's going to split that with Powell this week. Mm -hmm. And Miami is tough against the run game, only allowing 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, I don't like any of them. On the Miami side, I'm benching Jay Cutler because he's Jay Cutler. I mean, he's averaging 171 yards passing per game. That's nothing. But what he does throw seems to go to Jarvis Landry, who I'm giving an A grade to. Jarvis Landry is catching 38% of Jay Cutler's passes. That's over one out of every three passes are going to Landry, who's averaging over 11 targets per game and a touchdown in each of his last two. A grade there. I'm kind of benching both Parker and Stills. Sounds like Parker's 
not going to play. If he doesn't go, maybe Stills gets a C grade. He had four catches and a touchdown last week, but I'm probably still benching both. In the running game, JHI, I'm giving a B grade to. Yeah, he had a terrible game against the Jets earlier this season, and he still hasn't found the end zone, but the Jets since that game are allowing 154 yards and a score per game. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving Ajayi a B grade on that. I like him here, too. I think it's it's prime for a bounce back. Yeah. Bengals take on the Steelers, Brian. Steelers are a elite pass defense and a bad run defense, so I gotta get I gotta feel like we're gonna get a lot of Joe Mixon in this game. Yeah, I'm giving Mixon a pretty solid B here. Pittsburgh is allowing 159 combo yards per game. Um, and over Cincinnati's last three games, Mixon has 57 touches to the 34 from Gio, Bernard, and uh, Jeremy Hill combined. So he is uh, almost elevated to bell cow status. Isn't this offense. the thing Bill Lazor's done best? If you were going to say the one thing that he's done best, he's gotten the ball to his best players. You know, he's here. A.J. Green's really good. Here's a bunch of passes. Joe Mixon, you're really good. You're a best runner. Mm-hmm. Here's a bunch of rushes. You know, sorry, Jeremy Hill. It's like playing Madden. It's that easy. Yeah, well, you just know, give the you, ball you, to your good players. Tell that to whatever, Ernie Zampezi or whoever it was that they uh, they let go before Bill Lazor. What what kiosk is he working at at the mall? Oh, that <laughs> hurts. Sorry. I take that back. Please anyway, continue. Uh, let's stick with the running game real quick. Uh, I will give Gio Bernard a, a C minus here. Uh, during the, that three game, the last three games, he does have twice as many receiving yards on Joe Mixon. Pittsburgh has allowed the sixth most catches to running backs. So if you're in a pinch in PPR, you could give uh, Bernard a flyer. Jeremy Hill is obviously deceased when it comes to fantasy football. He's on the bench. Uh, over to AJ Green. I'm gonna give him an A minus. I'm gonna go kind of heavy on the plus plus minuses today, just as a warning. But uh, I, yeah, I'm not cool with that. I didn't even know you could do I, that. No, you can't do that. I think I'm still going to do it, but we'll see if I can justify. I can have Joe turn your mic off. I might do that. <laughs> All, right. All right, A for A.J. Green. Has scored in three of his last four games against the Steelers, but like as you said, Charge, Pittsburgh has been tough against the pass. They've only allowed um, three touchdowns to wide receivers so far this year. Mm-hmm. The highest yardage output by a wide receiver was 61 yards by Anthony Thomas, but uh, I would start A.J. Green even, even if the T-1000 was going to shadow him, so he's obviously <laughs> startable. Uh, Tyler Croft, not so much. Uh, kind of a we, we mentioned him last week. He, he could be a streamer most in some weeks, not this week. Pittsburgh has allowed the, the, the 11th fewest yards to tight end, so he's on the bench. As is Andy Dalton, the Steelers have allowed just four passing touchdowns uh, this season, and Green's really the only startable receiver in this game, so Dalton's on the bench as well. Uh, Over to Pittsburgh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, easy A, has only played Cincinnati once in each of the last three seasons and hasn't scored, but uh, IDGAF about that, so you're starting Bell. Uh, Antonio Brown, I had a minus on him, but I'm going to take it off because Adam Jones is out. Adam Jones is out. So there goes the minus. got to help him. Brown to total just seven catches uh, and 97 yards across two games against Cincy last year, but but no Jones will help, and uh, obviously you're starting Brown as well. I'm benching uh, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Martavis Bryant, though. Even with Adam Jones out, these guys are just kind of vulturing each other here. Um, don't We have a new producer, so he won't be able to cue the vulture. No, I can. But I don't know. I, if it, I, I've let's got... not do wide receiver vulturing, or should we? Mar- Mar- uh, we'll talk about Martavis Bryant a little later. Oh, that's so bad. Wow. <laughs> talk about Martavis Bryant a little later, but uh, I, I'm just benching these guys, and it's still a bad matchup without Adam Jones. And Ben Roethlisberger, I'll give a C. Maybe I, I won't do it. I'm not going to go plus route. But with Adam Jones out, that helps Roethlisberger as well. But he has one or zero passing touchdowns in four of his last five games against since he was ranked seventh against the pass. Not a great start, but you can because Ben is at home. He gets yeah, it's Ben at home. And if you're know, just going to play the averages across all of his opponents over the last three years you're looking at three touchdown passes and 325 yards Oof. for ben 
So, you know, it's it's it is a little bit of trends colliding, the home bend versus a great pass defense. Mm-hmm. Ravens take on the Vikings, and Viking fans hate it when I give a <clears throat> prediction that is a one-sided win. Uh, but that's what I see coming here, and I've got bench grades on every Raven, including Alex Collins, who's the closest to a C grade. He is averaging 6.4 yards per carry, which is fantastic. But they're still giving half of the runs to Bunk Allen for no reason, and he's facing... A Vikings run defense that's dramatically improved from last year. They rank third overall. They're giving up just 3.2 yards per carry. Just one rushing touchdown allowed on the year. So I've got Collins on the bench. I've got Bunk Allen on the bench as well. Uh, you could still He will catch some passes, but the Vikings are allowing the fourth fewest receptions and the fourth fewest yards to opposing running backs. So I don't think he gets much done through the air either. And the whole Baltimore passing game's on the bench. Joe Flacco's just been dreadful. Averaging 167 passing yards per game. One touchdown pass in his last month of games. Jeez. I was hoping for Max Williams to step up in a homecoming. Uh, yeah, home, yeah, homecoming of but, sorts. Uh, Scott, yeah, that wouldn't that Scott be nice. informed me he, he is out already. He is out so, already, well. as always, yep. by the yeah. way, unfortunately. Um, Vikings have only allowed four passing touchdowns in the last month of games. You could try Mike Wallace for the Trey Waynes, the likely Trey Waynes-Mike Wallace matchup. But I wouldn't do it, and I've still got a bench grade on Mike Wallace, too. Let's go to the Vikings side. Uh, Jarek McKinnon had been an A earlier in the week, and I've knocked him down to a B because the Ravens' run defense gets back their star defensive tackle, Brandon Williams. They were giving up almost double the rushing yards with him out of the game than they were giving than they were allowing in the first two weeks with Brandon Williams in the game. Still, McKinnon's been great uh, the last couple of weeks. He's averaging uh, since Dalvin Cook went down. He's averaging 22 touches per game. That is workhorse-style numbers. And the Ravens on the year do rank 30th against the run. But again, most of that built on Brandon Williams not being there, and he will be back. Kyle Rudolph gets an A grade. Ravens have got a good pass defense overall, but tight ends have just had their way with them, and especially lately. Over the last five games, they've allowed six tight end touchdowns. And Rudolph, who's uh, had been languishing under Case Keenum, nine targets in each of the last two weeks. So, Kyle Rudolph, solid A start here. Adam Thielen's a B start. He goes up against Ladarius Webb. On one hand, five of six slot receivers have been held to three receptions or less by the Ravens and Ladarius Webb. On the other hand, Pro Football Focus has him ranked at cornerback 105. So Jeez. apparently he's not doing that many things very well. He's been targeted, uh, Thielen's been targeted eight or more times in five games. And is coming off a season-high 13 targets last week without Diggs, and obviously Diggs not going in this one either. So, Thielen, B start. Uh, I've got Case Keenum on the bench with as 0-1 touchdowns in four or five games. You, I, I could get my way up to... I almost gave him a C grade, but the touchdown production just hasn't been there. Um, and without Diggs, I, just, I can't find myself loving him enough here to get him up to a C grade. Uh, Ravens have allowed quarterbacks to average just 162 yards and one touchdown in their last three games. This is a good pass defense. Case is on the bench. When we come back, take a chance on me. These are nine players, not normally in your starting lineup. Find out who they are, and find out if Scott Fish can replicate last week's brilliant Chris Ivory tout when we return. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. No, no. Oh. 
I'm out of here. Our low water mark is week seven. Nine players, not normally your starting lineup. God, move quickly, wow. please. Wow. Quarterback position, Scott. Uh, this week I got C.J. Beathard. I, I I really like him this week. The the Cowboys' defense are giving up over 250 yards per game. Their bottom 10 defense that has surrendered 11 passing touchdowns and multiple touchdowns per game over the last four. Beathard had 245 yards and a score in just two and a half quarters last week. I think a lot of the optimism you had for Hoyer in games, you should transfer, transfer right over to, to Beathard yeah. in this one. Brian, your quarterback. All right. Jean Kaiser is back as the starter for the oh, Browns. Boy. Oh, good Lord. No. Against the Tennessee Titans, who are ranked 25th against the pass by Football Outsiders, DVOA. Um, Jacoby Brissett kind of wet the bed against the Titans last week with only 227 total yards and one touchdown. But hey, I'm no. call, call, Well, I wasn't calling you out there, Scott. This, I'm <laughs> using this for my own purpose. I'm calling that as a safe floor for Kaiser here. Browns could be without cornerback Jason McCourty, who is an upper echelon corner. That would certainly help his cause. Uh, Kaiser isn't Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson yet, nor does he have the weapons of those guys. But he is of the same mold athletically. And those two quarterbacks totaled nine total touchdowns against the Titans. So I'm rolling with Kaiser. All right. I'll take Jared Goff. Before Goff played last week, Jacksonville, the league's number one pass defense, he was averaging 275 passing yards per game. And, now he gets back on track against the Cardinals secondary with a gimpy Patrick Peterson. And the Cardinals, even with Peterson, are a bottom five pass defense. They're giving up 2.3 touchdowns per game to quarterbacks, including four games with three or more touchdown passes. Yeah. I like Jared Goff in this game. Mm-hmm. I think I'm better than both of your, Matt. Your take a chance at me quarterbacks, too. I'll mention that. Your running back, Scott. That sounded like a whiteboard bet right Yeah, a little bit. All right, I am doubling down on Chris Ivory this week. It it you almost gave feels... us you gave us Chris Ivory last week. How did that work out? Yeah, <laughs> I totally called those nine catches too. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, oh, your first peacock. First peacock feels good. Uh, yeah, doubling down on Chris Ivory. He's averaging ten touches per game over the last three. 54 yards per game over the last three, and he's had over 40 total yards in all six games. You know, obviously had a good game last week. This week, Fournette isn't practicing. They have a bye week after that, so I think if Fournette does go, maybe they lighten his load a little bit, and Ivory gets even more touches. All right. All right, I I have a time-stamped email where I planted my flag in this player before another player went on IR, and it's Marlon Mack at home against the Jaguars. Kind Mm -hmm. of a layup at this point, but Frank Gore is still in the mix, but Frank Gore is just so, so bad. Has a top 50 yards only one time this year. Gore is averaging 3.4 yards per carry to the 4.8 from Marlon Mack. Mack also has four rushes of 20-plus yards to Gore's one. Yep. Jacksonville is just awesome against the pass, ranked number one by Football Outsiders at 31st against the run. Uh, Jacksonville is also top 10 in opponent rushing play percentage, so hopefully Mack gets some shine in this one. All right. I am going, well, let's, let's, let's go in the way back time machine. The last time James White faced the Falcons was? Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. We all remember how that turned out. 14 receptions, 110 yards later. He should have been the Super Bowl MVP, but those cowards just gave it to Brady. (laughs) Now, if you're the Falcons and you're you're the Falcons coaching staff and you're looking back at the tape of that game, you're like, the one thing we're not going to let him do. We're not going to let James White beat us again. But how Belichickian would it be to go right back to James White and beat him that way again. I'm trying James White one more time. He's done very little this season, frankly. I think we could safely call him a bust this year. But the Falcons, 
have str- always struggle against running backs through the air. And compared to the Super Bowl, they got a they got a fret over things like Brandon Cooks and Rob Gronkowski. They didn't have to worry about in the Super Bowl. So they got yeah. their hands full with other things anyway. We'll try James White in a repeat performance from nice. the Super Bowl. I like it. All right, Scott. I am taking the quarterback to Paul Charchian's take a chance on me. Or the I'm taking Running the wide receiver, wide receiver. Yes, to Paul Charchian's take a chance on me quarterback. And favorite target, Robert Woods, yes. leads the team in targets. Shockingly. Yeah, Cardinals. Cardinals. The Cardinals defense has allowed nine touchdowns to wide receivers, which is ridiculous. Seven of them went to the number two receiver. Granted, Justin Bethel is being benched this week for the Oh, 30, is he? And he should be. Finally, for 34-year-old Traymon Williams. Oh, my. So I think Woods can still torch in that game. Agreed. Love him. He's averaging six targets game over his last four. All right. Your receiver. I got Zay Jones of the Bills at home against the Bucks. Zay was my premature speculation last week. Uh, you might remember me from such premature speculations as, as last week. Will Fuller House, Austin Wild Safari and Jenkins, and Marquise to the Castle Goodwin, who have all popped off in recent weeks. So Zay Jones will this week against the Bucks, who are allowing 24 targets, 17 catches, 230 yards, and one plus touchdowns per game to opposing wide receivers. That is a lot. Jordan Matthews wow. might make his return. He could. I don't think that hurts Jones' cause either way. Uh, Jones has more targets than Brandon Tate, Andre Holmes, and Kalen Clay combined. <laughs> That's not saying much. It's not, but he's going to get a lot of what targets. Who else? Kalen Char- Clay. Is that Charles <laughs> Clay's brother? Uh, it might be Charles Clay with a wig on. I don't know. But either right. both Clays are irrelevant in this game. Charles Clay is also out. There will be targets for Jones in a pass-heavy uh, game script, I'm calling. All right. Well, uh, I want to hear more about um, about the about – Zay Jones is nothing to this point of the season, by the way. So we we this is the time. He needs to step up here. They have nobody else to throw to. All right, your final take a chance at me, guy, before we can get rid of these godforsaken chipmunks. <laughs> Mohamed Sanu returns to take on the worst pass defense in the NFL. Half of the Patriots' wide receiver touchdowns allowed have come via the slot, and that's Mohamed Sanu as a slot player. And that was with their starting slot cornerback, Eric Rowe, in the game. He's not going to play because Ooh. he's hurt in all probability. They're going to go to his backup, something called Johnson Batamosi. Johnson Batamosi's got bad right in his name. <laughs> Muhammad Sanu, you take a chance at me wide receiver. He's been dropped, long since dropped in the vast majority of fantasy mm-hmm. leagues. Joe, end this now. Thank you. What did you name your kid Johnson as a first Yeah, why name? first name Johnson? <laughs> he's already he's already stuck with yeah. Batamosi as I'm his last somewhat name. Of, somewhat of an expert on the subject. Yeah, that's, Jeff that's, Johnson, that's, that's, that's I'm, I'm sure you are, yeah. firsthand. Uh, Titans take on the Brown Scott. Titans maybe without DeMarco Murray in this one, and for once we might be in a spot where Derrick Henry owners can just start him with confidence. What do you think? I think that's the only way you can start Henry in co- with confidence. The Browns' defense is crazy good this year somehow. I never thought I'd be saying that. Well, but against the run in particular. Yeah, against the run. Yeah, they're allowing 3.1 yards per carry. I have C grades on both Murray and Henry, but if Murray misses... You got to move Henry up to up to a B. Mm-hmm. Murray is the guy that gets the the work in the passing game. That's where I think he can make his hay if he does play. Yep. But I give him both C grades until I know more. In the passing game, this is what I love. I'm giving Mario an A grade. The Browns have given up the most touchdowns to quarterbacks and multiple touchdowns to every quarterback they faced. Mm. He threw for 300 last week. I'm now worried about the injury. Yep. His receivers, Matthews and Decker. I'm giving Matthews a B and Decker a C. Matthews was the most targeted wide receiver for four of the last five games. Decker most targeted last week. 
Matthews, seven targets per game. Decker, six targets per game. This is a game where they they can each both light it up. Yeah. Sounds like Jason McCourty it popped up on the injury report. He might not play. That might be even better for both of them. Yes. So the guy I like most in this offense, though, is Delaney Walker. If he goes. If he goes. That is the question. Yeah. He's averaging six targets per game. The Browns are terrible against tight ends, allowing 50 yards or a touchdown in five of the six games. If he doesn't go, he popped, He didn't practice Thursday and Friday. Right. If he doesn't go... I don't think take, he's going to. I know. Take a look at Jonu Smith. Jonu he, Smith. He might be a really sneaky play if he doesn't go. I think he. I think I'm absolutely on board with him as in, a, in the tight end wasteland that half of fantasy owners are in right yep. now where you're just basically flopping, trying to find anything from a tight end. If Delaney Walker doesn't go, your Sunday morning pickup of Janu Walker, not Janu Walker, Janu Smith. Smith can be uh, can be a, a solid, solid move for you here. Like he, he's a great dynasty ad right now. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah, he, he is. Yeah. He's a rookie, and Delaney Walker's at the bitter end of a lengthy career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like him a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, over on the Brown side, Deshaun Kaiser was somehow Brian's take a chance on me player. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, in his passing game, the only guy I like is... Ricardo Lewis, who has led the team in targets three straight games, averaging eight par- targets per game. Only 54 yards per game in all those, but Tennessee has allowed nine different wide receivers to score. So if yeah. there's a guy you want to take a chance it's on, Ricardo there, Lewis. it's Ricardo Lewis. I'm giving him a C grade. I'm benching both DeValve and Njoku. I mean, Njoku had three touchdowns in four games, then DeValve scored last week. The Browns are only completing five passes a game per- to tight ends. No, I'm, I'm out on that. Uh, Isaiah Cruel, I'm benching him because he's kind of hot garbage. Um, Not kind of. <laughs> he is hot he garbage. He is one of the most disappointing players of the year. Uh, he only has two games over 12 carries, and he disappears when they're down 10. And ten- Tennessee, no running back under 15 carries has topped 50 yards on them. Right. So the, the, out for Crowell. Duke, I'm giving a C. Duke Johnson, I'm giving a C. He had a four-game streak of 45 yards receiving or more. I think that's where his floor is. He's got four games over three receptions. Uh, that that's the only reason I'm giving him a C is reception floor. Final matchup of this segment is the Jaguars taking on the Colts. Leonard Fournette is the big question mark on this one. Didn't practice all week, but says he's going to play. What do you think? Says he's going to play with that ankle injury, so you got to play him on your fantasy team, I suppose. Uh, has a touchdown in every game, a, a rush of 40-plus yards in back-to-back weeks. He's just mm-hmm. an auto-start if, he, if he's active. If he's inactive, obviously you bench him. But as for now, you roll with him in a sort of a tough matchup on paper. Derrick Henry was the, the first running back to top 52 yards last week against the Colts, but uh, Fournette can certainly have a big game like Henry did uh, if he stays on the field. Uh, if he doesn't, Chris Ivory's going to have a pretty good game. That's why he was Scott's take-a-chance-on-me running back. Yeah, I think you start Ivory either way. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Definitely. You, you know, Even yeah. if oh, yeah. even if Fournette starts, right. there's so many ways that Ivory can still end up getting a serviceable number of touches in this game. I agree. I misspoke there. Um, over the passing game, not a whole lot to talk about. I'm going to give Alan Hearns a B, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Colts have allowed the fourth-most targets and yards to wide receivers. Hearns has scored in three straight against in, in, against Indy and in four or five of their career meetings. And uh, in Hearns' career, he's a bit of a road warrior. He has scored twice as many touchdowns on the road, uh, where he also averages an extra 15 yards per game, nearly 60 per game on the road. So Hearns uh, better away from Jacksonville. I'm putting Marquise, Marquise Lee on the bench. Uh, he hasn't been practicing this week either with a knee injury. Uh, he also hasn't scored a touchdown this season and hasn't scored in four career meetings with the Colts. So uh, and he'll probably get VD, as in Vontae Davis, if he does play. So right. I'm not liking um, Marquise Lee this week. And per usual, I'm not liking Blake Bortles. Uh, he's on the bench. 
Blake Bortles and Jay Cutler are the only starting quarterbacks who haven't completed a pass of 40-plus yards. Wow. Quarterbacks who have, Kevin Hogan, Ryan Patrick, <laughs> E.J. Manuel completed oh. a pass of 40-plus yards and a half yeah. in Denver. Yeah, how about that? Wow. So uh, Bortles, Bort- No quarterback throwing fewer passes. No starting quarterback throwing fewer passes than Bortles as well. His yards per attempt is at like six, too. It's, it's brutal. It's yes. very gruesome. Uh, over to the Colts, um, T.Y. Hilton, I'm going to give him a B. I wanted to give him a really? minus, but I won't. I, I think am, he's more like a C here. Yeah, I'd B minus, but you're not going to let me do no. that. No, to B or a C? B. Okay. Jacksonville is ranked number one against number one wide receivers by football yes. outsiders. Yes. Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye are some bad dudes. All right, so where's the good uh, news coming for this B ranking? Is it the one catch for 15 yards he had last week? Is that the good news you're going <laughs> to give us? Mm, okay, C, you got me. Thank you. C, bench for Moncrief for the obvious reasons. Jack Doyle, bench as well. Jacksonville has allowed a tight end touchdown in half of their games, but no tight end has topped four catches. Um, Jacoby Brissett, the benching continues. And over to the running backs, I'll give Frank Gore a C. I kind of just broke he and Marlon Mack down, who I also give a C as my take a chance of me running back in a, a very good matchup for running backs. When we come back. Falcons take on the Patriots. It's a rematch of the Super Bowl, but lots of new things coming your way in this matchup. We'll tell you if there's anybody you don't start in Falcons-Patriots when we come back. This is Fantasy Football Weekly, presented by Devonis on the fan. Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. Paul Charchi and Brian Johnson. Scott Fish with you. A block of matchups coming. And um, and if we zip through them quickly enough, maybe some phone calls. Mike, Brandon, Pete, Brian continue to hold. Falcons take on the Patriots. Let's start on the Falcons' side. Obviously, this is a Super Bowl rematch. You know what happened there, so we're not going to spend a lot of time recapping that. But this feels like a get-right spot for Matt Ryan, who has struggled throughout this season, at least from a fantasy standpoint. Patriots allowing a league-worst 338 passing yards per game, and it's, they've given up two or more touchdown passes in every game but one. And they're going to be without two of their starting cornerbacks in this game. So Ooh. it's a great opportunity for Matt Ryan. I know Julio Jones has been a bitter, bitter disappointment, but it, this is the perfect opportunity for him to get well in a big, big way. Even if he gets shadow coverage from Malcolm Butler, which I think he will in this one, he's not that much of a threat this season. He's already been benched once this year. New England allows the second most wide receiver yards. Five out of six opposing number one receivers have topped 80 yards. I love Julio in this game. Also, A grade, Devonta Freeman. This is a team giving up the most yards to running backs. Freeman's my number two running back overall for this week. Uh, B grade. And Tevin Coleman, this is his best game of the year as well. And he's a threat on the ground, threat in the air. This is a defense allowing the second most receptions per game to running backs. Coleman catches a number of uh, four-plus catches per game. On paper, this, uh, again, his best matchup of the season. This will probably be his highest grade, a B grade for Tevin Coleman. Uh, I already told you Mohamed Sanu was my take a chance on me. Wide receiver, he's got a B grade. Taylor Gabriel finds his way into this conversation with a C grade. Again, this batter secondary missing two starters. And if they're going to put their only healthy starter on Julio Jones, I like Taylor Gabriel as a sneaky play in this one. Austin Hooper's got a starting grade. <laughs> Patriots have allowed a tight end to score a touchdown in every game but one. Hooper's targets have gone way up the past couple of weeks. He's averaging eight targets over the last two games. Let's go to the Patriots side. 
Bronk. A Bronk. That's a Brady Gronk combo right there. That's nice. Bronk. I like it. Brady and Gronk. Bronk. Our automatic A starts every week. We're just going to keep moving on to guys with tougher matchups to, to dissect, including Brandon Cooks, who's a B grade here. Falcons have allowed the sixth fewest receiving yards this season, and that'll happen when three of your first five opponents are the Bears, Dolphins, and Bills, I guess. But <laughs> Cooks draws Robert Alford, who has the speed to hang with Cooks, but none of the skill to hang with Cooks, and I still like Cooks here. But let me note this. Cooks saw the Falcons regularly when he was a member of the Saints, and he had great quarterbacking there too, right? He did nothing, nothing against the uh, against the Falcons when he was a member of the Saints. So B grade and Brandon Cooks. Chris Hogan was taken off of the uh, injury list, so good news there. And he'll draw Desmond Trufant, one of the NFL's top 20 corners, according to Pro Football Focus. Still, Hogan's getting as many targets as anybody in this offense, uh, other than maybe Gronk and Ranks in the top five in red zone targets as well. Uh, so Chris Hogan, B grade here. I gave James White as my take a chance on me running back. He's got a C grade. I got to bench Mike Gillisley. You guys know I, I still fundamentally like him, but he's in the doghouse after the fumble last week, and he's almost completely touchdown dependent, and Atlanta's only allowed two rushing touchdowns this year. That's tied for the third fewest in the league, and they haven't given up a running back score since week two, so a guy who needs touchdowns, that's all trends that work against him. You don't know. The Belichick doghouse is sometimes vast. <laughs> now, I looked to see last time LeGarrette Blunt fumbled. What did Belichick do? He gave him, he went right back to LeGarrette Blunt, gave him tons of carries in that game and tons of carries in the next game. Mm-hmm. So LeGarrette Blunt wasn't in the doghouse very long with the fumble, but who knows? Maybe it's different for Gillisley here. I still think there's too much risk. Deion Lewis saw a big uptick in usage after Gillisley's fumble last week, but I don't know, again, if Gillisley's going to be back and playing a major role or not, and Deion Lewis does nothing through the air anymore. He used to catch some passes. He doesn't anymore. That's, That's all James White now, and so I'm I'm lukewarm on, on Deion Lewis, and I've got a bench grade on him, too. So did you mention that Burkhead is supposed to come back as well? Yeah, well, we still don't know what Burkhead. We'll find I, out. I it's, thought I already was uh, expecting I think play. I think he's going to go on this one, and that just muddies the waters even further. Yep. Let's go to our next matchup. Panthers taking on the Bears. Cam Newton, Scott, has been feasting on bad secondaries for three he straight has. weeks. Now he faces the number uh, number seven pass defense in Chicago. Does Cam Newton revert to the guy we saw in the first three weeks of the season? Isn't there a middle ground there? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think uh, the 300 yards and three total touchdowns he's averaged over the last three is is the high end. I, I, I don't think he's going to revert all the way back. I think that early season was more injury-related and getting healthy. Yep. Than what I, I think Cam Newton's going to find his way here. The Bears have held four out of the last five quarterbacks under 205 yards. Aaron Rodgers had a multi-touchdown game, and I think Newton's closer to them. So I give him a B grade. I, it's not a good matchup, but I, I think he'll be serviceable. Uh, for his wide receivers, I uh, give Kelvin Benjamin an A grade, assuming he plays. He he practiced yesterday, but he has been hurt. He's he's had a little resurgence over the last three games. He's averaging nearly six catches, nearly eight targets, and over 90 yards per game in that stretch. Yep. Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Jordy Nelson all had at least 66 yards on the Bears, and three of those guys scored. So I like Benjamin in this game. Let's hope he plays. Exactly. If he doesn't, you know, line up Funchess. I give him a C grade right now, and it's mostly because he's been averaging over eight targets a game since Greg Olson left. But he completely disappears when the Panthers don't score 27. The Bears haven't allowed any team over 23 at home. 
And the second, the best game the Bears have allowed to a second wide receiver, 46 yards, no touchdowns on the year. Right. So C grade there, mostly on volume. I do like Ed Dixon. He's He's been averaging four catches and 91 yards over the last three games, and Chicago has allowed three straight tight ends to catch six balls against them. Granted, it was against poor defenses for Dixon in the last couple, but I, I, I like the opportunity there. B grade for Dixon. In the running game, C grade on Jonathan Stewart. Uh, he's averaging 2.9 yards per carry, which is pretty bad. That's <laughs> bad. Yeah. Only McKinnon has rushed for over 75 yards on the Bears, and that took a 58-yard run. Right. Uh, They're a good run defense. Yeah. The the bright side is every running back that's had 12 carries either had 70 yards or a score, so that works in Stewart's favor probably. And the Bears have allowed a touchdown in every game except for the last one this season, which is part of the reason I give McCaffrey an A grade here. He has six over six catches and over eight targets per game. That's crazy. He's top 10 in both those categories. And the Bears have allowed at least five receptions to every running back except for one hmm. this this year. Yeah. So, yeah, in every game except for one. Excuse me. Going back to Benjamin real quick, Ron Rivera saying he's more probable than anything. All right, so good. Bank on that. Thank right. you, Riverboat Ron. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. We yeah most yeah most coaches won't give you that kind of information. Yeah, so we're exactly. happy to hear we're happy Thank to hear you. that. I miss probable. I just I love seeing probable. I do. I do. I Questionable. Probable is felt good. Such a mystery now. I know. Yeah. Well, and Patriots love that. Anybody <laughs> yeah. else? Have we missed anybody? No, no one for the Panthers. I'm benching everyone else. Okay. On the Bears side, I'm benching Trubisky. 120 yards per game? Come on. No. His his favorite target, though, is since he came into the game, since he started playing, Zach Miller leads the Bears in targets and touchdowns. Yeah. I know one was from Cohen, but <laughs> right. I'm still going to count it. Uh the Panthers' defense has allowed four touchdowns to tight ends in the last two weeks. I'm giving him a B start just because he's Trubisky's favorite target right now. I, yeah, that's you got it. You got to look at that. Uh, I'm benching Cohen. His production has dropped just way too far down. I'm starting Howard with an A grade. He's top five in attempts, yards, and touchdowns, mm. and he's had at least 19 touchdowns a game over the last four games. The Panthers have allowed a running back to score in three of the last four games. It's hard to hard to not give Howard an A with that amount of volume. Yeah, it's they're just pounding the running game, which is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Let's protect our rookie quarterback, and yep. you know, let's not ask him to go out and win games. I like that. I like that angle. Final matchup of the second uh, segment, excuse me, Buccaneers taking on the Bills. This is a uh, this is a tough Bills defense and against the run and the pass and they're at home. This is going to be uh, this is going to be a tricky one. And Jameis Winston comes into this game gimpy. Yeah, how heartbroken are you that there's no Stu Beard uh, revenge game narrative here? I know I would have loved that. It was looking that way early in the week, but it like was. you said, uh, Winston is uh, slated to start this one with the shoulder injury. I got him on the bench. I'm very worried about him in a very bad matchup. Uh, Buffalo has a great pass defense. They've only allowed two passing touchdowns all year. They have two interceptions in four of their last. Or, for the last five games, so I'm skeptical with that shoulder injury. I have Winston on the bench here. Uh, I'd rather go with uh, Deshaun Kaiser, personally. No? No. Yes. No. Okay. Whiteboard <laughs> sure. bet? Sorry. Uh, all right. <laughs> on to uh, Winston's receivers. Mike Evans still going to give him an A. Uh, Buffalo, has only, Buffalo has only allowed two wide receiver touchdowns, but Demarius Thomas had six catches for 98 yards. A.J. Green blew up for seven catches, 189 yards, and a touchdown. And even Kelvin Benjamin had six for 77 in week two when Cam was pretty garbage, so you can start Evans with confidence. Not so much for Deshaun Jackson. I just mentioned the two wide receiver touchdowns allowed by the Bills. That puts Jackson on the bench, as is Cameron Brait. 
Buffalo has not allowed a tight end touchdown, and not one opposing tight end has topped 50 yards against the Bills. It's really Mike Evans or bust in the passing game for me this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Martin, not a great matchup for him either. Like you said, Charge, he gets a C here. Uh, mm-hmm. He has scored in both games since returning from suspension. Yeah, but, but. but Buffalo is allowing under 3.8 yards per carry. No running back has topped 60 yards against them. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, don't be too excited about Martin this week, but he should see the most volume out of that backfield. Uh, over to the Bills. I'm going to give LaShawn McCoy an A here. I'm going to quote a stat from Graham Barfield on Twitter. Uh, He said when the Bills are favored at home, um, Shady's averaging over 120 yards, over 120 rushing yards and one and a half uh, rushing touchdowns per game. The Bills are home favorites in this game, so I like McCoy here. I want to stress something we said, I believe, last week. Go buy Shady now. Go get him. It's never going to be cheaper than right now. His price is going to skyrocket. His price is going to skyrocket. You bet. Um, uh, a couple more starters for Buffalo. Tyrod Taylor, I'll give a C. Um, I initially wrote no Jordan Matthews, but he sounds like he might play. But no Charles mm-hmm. Clay, who's yep. his favorite target. Uh, Tampa Bay could still be without both starting safeties. They are ranked 31st against the pass by Football Outsiders DVOA. So Taylor is startable. Uh, I guess Jordan Matthews is as well, because Zay Jones was my take a chance on me wide receiver. That that stays even if Matthews is active. This is just a great matchup for wide receivers. Uh, also a good matchup for Nick O'Leary, uh, backup tight end. Who will yeah, start how about in this that? Game. Nick O'Leary. Uh, tr- Another deep sleeper tight end that you yeah, can just pick up and plug I in. I almost put him as my take home over Zay Jones. I might be liking it a little more. Uh, Troy Nicholas and Rhett Ellison hit pay dirt against Tampa Bay. So <laughs> why not Nick O'Leary? Right, yes. Uh, saw more than three targets for the first time in his career last week. Uh, he had six. He caught five for 54 against Cincinnati, which was a bad matchup. So uh, Buffalo throws to their tight ends more than 40% of the time. That no one else is above You got the wrong guy. I know. I Nick O'Leary should He's be your guy. take a chance of me receiver All right, let's at, go at back. tight end. Do I, get the, do I get the official switch? Is that allowed? Yes, Mulligan? A, yep. All right. I'm, nice. I'm, we're calling it right now. Appreciate that. It's a better call. Thanks. All done. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's work in a couple of phone calls. Ryan is in Portland, Oregon. Hi, Ryan. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a, a couple questions real quick. Um, I know you were talking about uh, DeMarc Murray. I have two running backs right now that I'm playing, Carlos Hyde and Adrian Peterson, but I'm, I have Mike Gillisley on my bench. Uh, I haven't heard you talk about Adrian Peterson. I, I got joining the, to the show a little late. Um, well, we haven't mentioned him yet. Could... So you, you haven't missed anything. We just haven't gotten to that matchup yet. Oh, okay. Okay. So I was going to run with them as my uh, running backs because DeMarco Murray is my only other one. And, uh, and, I figured those are the two best options. But I have Brandon Cooks and Michael Thomas that I'm starting that are uh, obvious starts. But I have my flex position that I'm torn at. Uh, basically, I have um, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Jackson, Pierre Garçon, uh, Mike Dillisley, or DeMarco Murray if he's healthy. All right, so anyway, we're trying to distill this down no, to one question it. here. By the way, if anybody wants to know why we, in Lightning Round, do one question between two players, this is why we do it that way in Lightning Round. I, I got it for you, I man. Apologize. You're looking I for apologize. a flex between those four. For me, it's Garcon. I, I think he's got the best matchup. The Cowboys have allowed, what, 11 touchdowns, over passing touchdowns over the last four games. Mm-hmm. Garcon's getting 10 targets per game. It, it's Garcon for me. He's, he's easily the safest and maybe even the best ceiling. Thanks for tuning okay. in from uh, Portland, Ryan. Appreciate your uh, long distance dedication to not to, to go Casey Kasem on the whole bit. Mike, hello. Hello. 
Um, I just got a simple lightning round question. Oh, God. Uh, Aaron, jo- Aaron Jones or Orleans Darkwood? Oh, man. Darkwood's got Seattle. That's not no, a great like, matchup. Yeah. Aaron Jones, though, he didn't get a, a ton of run with Ty Montgomery back in the mix. Uh, <laughs> and Montgomery's no, but they, off the but they were court. also, keep in mind, in fairness, right. the Packers, right? You know, everything's going upside down. Tackles get knocked out of the game. They're down by a bunch of points. They got to throw. I think the Packers would love to establish the run if they can. Absolutely. Maybe uh, slow down Breeze's passing a little bit. Yeah, I'll lean Jones slightly over Darko, even though Darko might get more touches than uh, Jones. Jones might do more with him in a better matchup. Thank you, Mike. We rarely get three calls into this uh, into this segment, but that's great. Brandon, hello. Hi, uh, Scott. Good to have you on the show again. Thanks. Um, I found myself in a situation that others probably do as well. I played Lynch, and my opponent Ouch. has Cooper. Oh, ouch. Yeah. So just a couple lightning round questions. Uh, in standard, looking for higher ceiling, uh, Mixon or Kamara? Mm. Well, I think Mixon. Yeah, I think Mixon, too, as a higher ceiling. Yeah. Okay. And then same in a PPR, Randall Cobb or Safarian Jenkins? Mm, I'm such an ASJ fan. <laughs> I, I'm going. I'm going ASJ. I, I don't. I think Hundley's going to do okay this week, but I don't know where exactly his volume is going to go. So I would take ASJ. Right. Okay. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate you listening. When we come back, five hot questions for our panel of experts. You can play along. See if you can go five and zero. Oh. Got a fantasy football question? Give us a call. 651-989-KFAN or 1-800-320-5326. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Welcome back. It is Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. Paul Chargian, Scott Fish, and Brian Johnson with you today. Getting you ready for Week 7 Domination. Devani's hot question number one. Is Amari Cooper back? Scott? Sure. Yes, kind of. I think this is who Cooper is going to be. You know, he's going to have big games and not, not big games, but... He, he still had drops. He still leads the NFL in drops. Um, he's going to have up and ups and downs, but I, I think he's the kind of guy that behind the scenes, he did the you know squeaky wheel thing, and we didn't hear about it. So they played him all over the field, 35% in the slot, which he hadn't done. Uh, they're going to try to get him the ball more. I, I'm not. He's not a super stud, but he's back a little bit. All right, Brian. Uh, he's the same as he ever was. Here's just a, a, a blow-up game that, that they happen to pop up every now and again. Uh, his first notable one was Week 15 in his rookie year. He had six catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, that was in 2015. Uh, last year against Tampa Bay, he had 12 for 173 and one. Uh, Thursday night was clearly his biggest game of his career. But so take those three games away I just mentioned, and then starting with the Week 15 game when he was a rookie. Cooper has scored five touchdowns in 23 games outside of those three games. He is horribly inconsistent, so I think he remains that way. So I'm going to say no, he's not back because he didn't go anywhere. (laughs) Nothing has changed. He entered, Amari Cooper entered week seven as wide receiver 86, and right now he's wide receiver 30. Jeez. That's what that's what that game did for him. Not for people who left him on his bench. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Which, by the way, for anybody who left him, if you left him on the bench, don't feel badly that you did that. You People made the it. rational decision 
of of the available information mm-hmm. that we had. By the way, real quick, he could have broken the single game receiving record. I think on Thursday night, if he didn't have those like three or four drops. Yeah, it is possible. Um, and part of the reason we didn't see necessarily see that coming was he had been playing almost entirely on the right side of the field. Crabtree had been playing seventy percent of his snaps on the left side of the field. They just flip flopped it in that game. They all of those, almost all those those big Cooper catches all started with him on the left side of the field where he didn't have Marcus Peters, and that was not how they had been handling their receivers going into the game. And Tony Romo talked about it all night that they were just daring the, the Raiders to throw. Oh yeah, the, the Chiefs sold out to stop the run. So yeah, no one saw that coming either. Uh, Mari Cooper was a one thousand yard receiver in both of his first two years. And I think there was a temptation to feel like maybe they had lost some faith in him, but he's on pace for the exact same number of targets that he had last year, which is a whopping 132 targets, Mm. which is a ton. And he's actually on pace now for a career high in touchdowns with seven. So I think he is the same guy that he was before, to Brian's point, but he got the answer wrong. The same guy he was before is the guy we were starting every week. We're going to keep starting Amari Cooper, and yes, mostly, he's back. Oh, wait, this is now me. Hold on. There we go. Devani's hot question number two. Should Marshawn Lynch owners just drop him? Brian. Well, this is a hot question. It's a tough one. Um, this is a tough one. Let's look ahead at uh, Marshawn Lynch's next four weeks. We're looking at a suspension, a bye, and the Broncos. And then three of the next four weeks, that, that's not good for Lynch. Not no. someone you want to rotting on your bench, but there is some beast mode left in Lynch. Um, according to the RB scout on Twitter, uh, Lynch is bottom three in yards per carry before the first potential tackle point, which means his offensive line is doing him no favors. Oh, they've been shockingly bad. Oh, yeah, well, they were projected to be maybe the top unit in the league. Um, They've always been a better pass-blocking unit than run-blocking unit, but they're still a good run-blocking unit, right, right. and it's just not, it is not coming together. But Lynch is still getting stuff done on his own. He is top eight in yards per carry after the first potential tackle point, meaning uh, you know he's doing a lot of work on his own. So if this line can get it together, I still think there's some hope for Lynch down the line. But I will tell you this: I'm not dropping him, but I'm doing everything I can to get Jalen Richard and both uh, and DeAndre Washington on my roster to fully handcuff are, that back. Are you previewing? Uh, Taking well, no, I got you. Okay, all right, Scott. No, you shouldn't drop him. I mean, he's kind of, he was on pace for about what we thought, right? Latavius Murray had 195 carries last year. He was on pace for 224 before he got ejected. He's taking up 55 to 60% of the team's running attempts. I know he's out next week, but, you know, he, he's going to be that back. He's going to be a guy you can flex in good matchups, and he's going to be a guy that you might want to bench at times, but you shouldn't drop him yet. Yeah, your guys, I think you guys have, have sussed this out pretty well. I think the only scenario here that leaves Lynch without any fantasy value would want to actually drop him outright is if somehow like Richard and Washington go berserk at Buffalo, which we don't think is going to happen, and and then you know they decide to somehow shift the percentages around. But I I don't think that's going to happen here. The uh, the expectation I think we just got to you know know your expectations. He's a thirteen carry a game guy, not a twenty carry a game guy, and he's not going to be the bell cow. Right. And if you have the expectations of what he can get done on 13 carries, which seems to be in the 50, 60 yard wheelhouse, and a you know a chance at a touchdown if they get inside the five, that's Marshawn Lynch. Devani's hot question number three: Are you buying low on Martavis Bryant? Or are you just glad you didn't draft him, Scott? Ugh. Is there a middle ground? I know I've, this is such a tough question. I'm I'm not really buying law on him. I know he's got matchups against the Colts, Titans, Packers, and Patriots coming up, which are, you know, good matchups. 
Uh, I'm also I'm I'm fine with drafting him when I did. I just don't think this offense is prolific enough that, as it was when Bell and Brown and Martavis Ben could support all of them. Uh, so I guess I'm I'm in, I'm more in the oh which one am I? Are in? you buying low or not? I guess I'm buying low. You I are yes buy. for those matchups. What the hell? I I'm not I'm not happy about it, but I am. <laughs> all right, Brian. Remember how good Martavis Bryant was when he was a rookie? 100 plus yards and or at least one touchdown in 11 of his first 17 games. That's that, was, that was insane. Uh, he missed all of 2016, of course, um, because of suspension. He has kept his nose clean since then, but his hands haven't been very busy this season. He has topped three catches just once all year. But the Steelers have played a lot of bad teams that, that haven't scored a lot of points. Browns, Jets, Jaguars, stuff like that. So there hasn't really been a shootout quite mm-hmm. yet for Pittsburgh. So... Uh, just because of the, the talent is there, he's maybe a little rusty still. I will buy low on Bryant, but very, very, very low. I've actually seen him dropped in a few leagues, so I'll certainly wow. pick him up for free. Uh, you're buying low on Martavis Bryant. And, you know, buying low isn't easy, right? I mean, you know, because it, 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 we all want to buy low and sell high. But to buy low means you gotta, you're buying a player who hasn't produced or you wouldn't be buying low. Exactly. So you've got to be able to say, all right, I can project that things are going to get better. And here's why. They w- likely will. The schedule's been brutal for Pittsburgh two ways. He's played against six defenses so far that range somewhere between good and great. Listen to the defenses they've played. Minnesota, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Kansas City, Chicago, Cincinnati. Yeah. Right? And after the bye week in week nine, as you mentioned, Colts and Titans and Packers are coming up. Then get this. If you want to have the easiest possible runway in the second half of the season... In the final eight games, second half of the season, Steelers are on the road two times. Ooh, nice for Two that. times. They're at home six out of the last eight games. And we all know where it has been great, at home. Where does he stink? On the road. So, the home road matchups are going to bend entirely towards the home once they get to the halfway point of the season. We are buying low. I'm Artavis Bryant. Giovanni's hot question number four. One week into the post-Adrian Peterson era, the advantage goes to Mark Ingram over Alvin Kamara. But from this point forward, who will score more points between the two? Brian. We're talking PPR, I take it. Half point. Half point, okay. Uh, All right, last week, yeah, Ingram had a great game. um, But that was only the second time in his last 37 games that he saw at least 20 carries. And in those 37 games, he only got to 18 carries six times. So there will be duds on the horizon for Ingram because New Orleans doesn't run the ball a lot, only about 40% of the time. Uh, I like Kamara more in the passing game. The Saints do throw a ton, uh, especially to running backs. Uh, New Orleans running backs have caught the second most passes despite already having their bye this season. Um, They've played five games. The Chiefs have played seven, uh, you know, with – Kareem Hunt and Charkandrick West, the, the Saints running backs have a lot more catches than the Chiefs running backs do. So I just see Kamara being more consistent because of the, the pass volume. So I'm going to say Alvin Kamara. Okay. Wow. Uh, I, I think it's Ingram. <laughs> I think he gets the goal line work. He still gets some passing work. And he gets most of the between-the-tackles work. I, I think Kamara is going to be flex-worthy a lot of weeks. Maybe you know start-worthy most weeks. But I think Mark Ingram is is nearing the point where he's unbenchable going forward. The emotional side of me wants it to be Kamara because he's lightning in a bottle and he's so fun to right. watch and is just human highlight plays. But the logical side of me says 
It's Ingram. Peterson yielded seven carries per game and only one target per game. And Ingram's the carries guy. Kamara's the receiving guy. That's a six-touch advantage for Ingram right there. Ingram's going to get the goal line work, and that's the other big X factor. We still want touchdowns more than anything else in fantasy football. We still want touchdowns. We saw the upside Kamara gives in the passing game two games ago when he had 11 receptions. He had two last week. So those are going to be up and down. Ingram's still involved in the passing game as well, so it's not like he's not getting any and Kamara's taking them all. But Ingram has the other advantages that Kamara doesn't have, even though I think Kamara is a way more electrifying running back right Mm -hmm. now. Sure. Devani's hot question number five. Who is the single most important handcuff in fantasy football? Scott. I'm so going to get this one wrong. All right. (laughs) I'm going to go with Matt Breda. I think once Carlos, if Carlos Hyde does go down, he's averaging over four yards per carry. He's shown he can get it done in the passing game. 10 catches for 61 yards over the five games. And Shanahan said he weirdly weirdly says that there's no not much difference between the two. I think he could be a league winner if Hyde goes down. Okay, Brian. I got Jimmy Garoppolo mm. because the top quarterback tier took a hit with the loss of Aaron Rodgers. And if you are a Tom Brady owner who has looked pretty bad, by the way, behind a pretty bad offensive line, I don't know how much longer he can keep this up. You, uh, you need to handcuff Jimmy Garoppolo to have any hope uh, moving forward in the fantasy playoffs if something happens to Tom Brady. And, uh, yeah, basically, you, you just gotta, if you're invested in that Patriots offense, you got to stay invested. So I say Jimmy Garoppolo is the most. Yeah, he was my premature speculation guy pick. last week. Such a good pick. Yeah, it, it is a good pick, and it crossed my mind, but it's not the right pick. The correct answer is Chris Ivory. Mm. Leonard Fournette is second in rushing attempts in the NFL. Uh, 130 already, and... He's one of the top three runners in almost every scoring system, right? And he's the only player with a touchdown every game. So Fournette's been great. No team runs the ball more than Jacksonville. So if Fournette goes out now, and by the way, you know, he's hurt now. So he's already hurt right now. And he's a workhorse back. Ivory would slot right into that. And they would continue running 52% of the time, 34 times per game, both NFL highs. And they're not going to suddenly go into a Blake Bortles-led offense because Blake Bortles stinks. It'll continue to be Chris Ivory. You will have the potential of a top 10 running back in Chris Ivory should anything happen to Leonard Fournette. By, also, uh, by, by the way, one bonus point I'll give to this on Ivory. Stylistically very similar to Fournette, so they mm-hmm. don't have to change up the way they do business right. if they have to change from Fournette to Chris Ivory. Let's work in a matchup. Cardinals taking on the Rams. This is a London game. So I assume it's the early start London bit, right? Where it's going to no, be? No, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a late start. All right, good. It's an evening game in Twickenham. As by the way, they all should be starting these early games is stupid because it's by the way it's it's even early there. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a noon start <laughs> here and a six o'clock start in in London. So I don't know the why they feel like they got to have a three o'clock start in London so that people, especially on the West Coast, have got like six thirty start time. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, Cardinals, Rams, Scott. Yeah, so in the passing game, I'm giving Carson Palmer a B grade. And mostly it's because the hesitancy with what happened once Peterson was in town last week. Yeah. He was averaging 45 attempts and over 300 yards per game through just 22 times last week. Saved you with three touchdowns, but that's not going to be common with that kind of volume. Right. The Rams are allowing 280 yards per game over the last four, so so maybe there's some opportunity for Palmer to light it up a little bit. But I think they're going to run all day <laughs> this week. So. I do too. So I'm giving Palmer a B grade, and I'm not too 
in love with it. Uh, Fitzgerald's an A grade. I mean, obviously, double digit targets in five or six games. He's he's top three in targets and catches. Uh, John Brown, when he plays, when he's healthy, which he is this week, he's averaging nearly seven targets per game, and he's scored in consecutive weeks. I know the Rams secondary has held down uh, second receivers. They have. Yeah, nobody has more than 65 yards. That's why John Brown gets a C grade for me. Uh, See, I don't like the whole John Brown, John Brown, J.J. Nelson. Yeah. Just so much clutter it other is. than Fitzgerald operating exactly. out of the slot. So I just, I, I tend to avoid them all. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, John Brown is second in targets every single game that yeah. he starts. So there so, is that. So I give him a little bit of optimism there. Ellington, he's he's a bench, obviously. I mean, he's questionable and likely to miss the game. So it's basically just Adrian Peterson in the running game mm. against the worst run defense in the NFL, allowing... 175 total yards and a touchdown and a half per game to running backs. Peterson looked great. 11 of his carries were over five yards last week. Uh, he's an A grade for me. On the Rams side, Jared Goff was Chargers take a chance on me player. Mm-hmm. Woods was my take a chance on me player. So let's move over to the other wide receivers. Watkins, I'm given a C grade. It sounds like Patrick Peterson is going to play. And Watkins is third on the team in targets. Which is weird. I know. Yeah, Bryant, Jeffrey, Garcon, Hilton, they averaged 32 yards a game and only one of them scored. Yeah, it's so, a tough, tough matchup. So it, why even a C yeah, grade exactly. on Sammy Watkins? I'd say, I think he's a bench considering grade. Benching, but I think he is a bench grade. It's that pedigree that so I just it, love. Yeah, the pedigree of not producing... How many great games does Sammy Watkins really have in his three-year, four-year career? He'll throw down an Amari Cooper game, and we'll all be (laughs) flushed next week. Uh, Cooper Cup, I'm giving a C grade. He's going against Tyron Matthew, who has not allowed over 55 yards to any receiver this week or this season. Uh, He did, I mean, Nelson Aguilar in the slot had 93 yards, but 72 of that came against a safety blitz where Matthew wasn't on him, so I'm not going to count that. Uh, I give him a C grade because he is second on the team in targets, and it is a good good matchup for wide receivers and quarterbacks. Uh, In the running game, Todd Gurley, he's top, the, the Cardinals are top five against running backs, but for me... Todd Gurley isn't benchable. He's had over 95 yards or a touchdown in every single game. I'm giving him an A grade, and I just don't care. I like that. An A grade, and I don't care. Seahawks take on the uh, Giants, Brian. Funny how you always get these Giants matchups. Seahawks take on on the Giants. We've got some question about who will the starting running back be for the Seattle Seahawks. What do you think? I don't know what to think about the Seattle backfield, really. It's a good matchup. Uh, it is a good matchup, isn't it? The Giants are ranked 27th mm-hmm. against the run by football outsiders, but I just can't make, make sense of this clown college backfield. Uh, Eddie Lacy <laughs> and Thomas Rawls each got 10 touches in Seattle's last game. Uh, nothing to report from the By the way, the play probably. count, though, was 2-1 to one, uh, Rawls, I believe. All right. That's, that, 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 I guess I would lean him then, but based on that stat charge, thank you. I'll, I'll give him the C over Lacy. Uh, this is kind of really like just a wait-and-see uh, situation between these two. Um, there is some hope for the pass-catching backs, and you think it would be J.D. McKissick, uh, but scratch that. Uh, C.J. Procise is... Uh, he's back. He's back, and um, I, I, I wish I talked about the end of the show, but he's the guy you might want to add right now because uh, he looked like he could run the... He looked like a three-down back last year. Kind Durabil- of. 
Daryl Bevel believes he can be. I, I saw him run with some power. Durability is a concern, but there are lots of concerns with the Seattle yeah, backfield. So, concerns everywhere, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not starting Procise. Uh, I might give him a C, but not not until I see what he can do. But uh, he might be a guy you want to add if you have a, a spot to burn. Um, let's go to the passing game. i got to flip my page back over here. Russell Wilson, going to give him a C. Uh, supposed a tough matchup on the road in New Jersey, but Jameis Winston, Phillip Rivers, and Matthew Stafford threw for multiple touchdowns against the, mm. against the Giants who haven't faced a running threat at quarterback yet, so Wilson will add that wrinkle, obviously. Uh, he has eight total touchdowns over his last three games, by the way. He's pretty hot. Uh, Doug Baldwin, uh, reluctant. I'm going to give him a B. Uh, Dominique rogers Camardi makes his return. We'll see a lot of Baldwin in the slot. Um, Golden Tate struggled from the slot, four catches for 25 yards. Keenan Allen, four for 67. So there is cause for concern with Baldwin, but you got to roll him out this week. I'm benching Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett. The only wide receivers that have success against the Giants are like Mike Evans and Demarius Thomas. These guys are not them. Hmm. Uh, Jimmy Graham, though, not on the bench. I'm going to give him I a day. I love Jimmy Graham this week. The abuse of yeah. opposing tight ends continued for the Giants last week. Uh, sadly, A.J. Derby wasn't the one to do it, but Denver tight ends did combine for four catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown, and uh, New York has allowed seven tight end touchdowns in six games. Crazy. Graham is fully healthy. It's all systems go for Jimmy. For sure. Um, speaking of tight ends, the guy said you should drop last week. I said do not. Yeah, Evan yep. Ingram yep. came through against Denver. He did. I, I think he could come through against. These. I didn't like. I don't think anybody saw that Denver game coming. Right. I that was a that was a shocking performance oh, no. by your oh, squad. Yeah. yeah. I, Even I, you did not see that coming. I turned it off because I was so upset they were winning. See, Giants fans got I want, excited I want the for first number pick. one pick. I don't want this win. You want the first what pick. Happened. Yeah. But, you uh, do want the first pick. I do. Yeah. Anyway, Evan Engram, uh, the Giants throw the ball 65% of the time. Engram is seventh among tight ends in target percentage overall. He's second in targets among tight ends over the last four weeks. Seattle is allowing five catches, 60 yards per game to tight ends. So that's a safe floor for Engram in this one for me. And I'll start Sterling Shepard uh, if I'm really in a pinch as well. Randall Cobb is the only real threat Seattle has seen from the slot. He had nine catches for 85 yards. Just a couple weeks ago, Sterling Shepard was seventh in yards per target among wide receivers, was also fourth in red zone targets among wide receivers. That was before he got hurt. He's healthy now. He should play. Uh, he'll see seven to ten targets, so that's volume I will I will play. And uh, and he'll operate out of the slot, or are they going to kick him outside? We'll you find, know? We'll find I mean, out. Normally, he was a slot receiver when they had Odell Beckham and they had Brandon right. Marshall, but now... Are they going to keep him in his natural position, the slot, or do they kick him outside? And part of the reason I mention it, by the way, Seahawks just downgraded their starting cornerback, Jeremy Lane, to out. So he's not going to go. So there's an opportunity for somebody on the outside. Yeah, Roger Lewis and Tavares King have the size that Shepard doesn't have, so I, I, I feel they, they keep him in the slot. We'll find out, though. We'll find yeah. out on Sunday. And uh, Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor are both questionable, but I think that's the fake questionable and not the real I think that's the probable questionable. So, uh, for all those reasons, I, I have Eli, Eli on the bench. Uh, Engram and Shepard are in 10 to 20 PPR point range territory, but that's not enough to uh, support starting Eli in this one. And Orleans Darkwa inexplicably blew up against the Broncos last week, but uh, I got him on the bench against the Seahawks. Uh, Todd Gurley had 14 carries for 43 yards against the Seahawks. I don't think Darkwa's going to do much better than that. I don't either. I think that's chasing last week's mirage right there. When we come back. Saints take on the Packers. It's our first look at the Brett Hundley-led Packers. We'll tell you what to expect when we come back. Victory on Sundays comes from listening to these guys on Saturday. This is Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Welcome back. 
Football Weekly on the Fan, Paul Charchi and Scott Fish and Brian Johnson with you. Saints take on the Packers, and it's an obvious A start for Drew Brees anyway, but note that Morgan Burnett, Devon House, and Demarius Randall are all potentially out of this game. So it, the secondary for the Packers is a wreck, and that's part of why Michael Thomas also an, an a clear A start. He'll face either an injured Devon House or rookie Kevin King. Either way, great opportunity for him. Packers have surrendered at least 97 receiving yards and or a touchdown to number one wideouts in five straight games. Thomas is a terrific start. My number two wide receiver overall this week. Uh, Ted Ginn, also in the house here. He'll get Demarius Randall if Randall plays at all, and if he doesn't, then maybe he gets Kevin King unless Devon House is out, and then he needs Kevin King on that side, and then... If none of those three guys go, some someone I've never heard of will start named Josh Hawkins. So, Ted Ginn, dust him off. This is a good opportunity here. Willie Sneed gets a B grade because he gets slot cornerback. Uh, well, he should get the backup slot cornerback because Quentin Rollins is on IR. His backup is called something called Lindsey Pipkins, and he's in the concussion protocol. He may not go in this game. Sneed got 22 snaps last week in his first game back. He figures to get more this week as he's a week healthier off of his injury. Uh, even Brandon Coleman, with all of these problems, plausible starter, C-grade for him. Wow. And while we're staying with the passing game, the only guy I got on the bench is Kobe Fleener. There, He's been invisible for a month, and they can score a million different ways with their wide receivers. They do not need Kobe Fleener in this game. Let's go to the running backs. Mark Ingram, B-grade. Last week, all of Adrian Peterson's workload went right to Mark Ingram, as we just talked about last segment. And if that's going to hold up here, Ingram's got an excellent matchup with a Green Bay defense that ranks 23rd against the run, giving up 103 yards per game. Alvin Kamara, also a B grade, coming off a career-high 75 rushing yards and 7 yards per carry on the season, averaging 6.5 yards per carry. He also shines as a receiver, and the Packers have all the most receiving touchdowns to running backs, 3. So I like Kamara as well. Let's flip to the Green Bay side where things get, of course, trickier with Brett Hudley here. The good news is New Orleans ranks 28th against the pass. They're giving up 291 passing yards per game. And the Saints have an aggressive pass rush that could make things tricky here. This is going to be a, a dinged-up uh, offensive line. Both tackles are going to play, but they're probably playing hurt. They're missing their right guard is out. Center went uh, start missed Missed, I think, Friday's practice, and now his status is up in the air. Backup center for the Packers is on IR, so he's not a go. If those two guys can't go, they got to get a utility tackle guard who's never played center before to play center. So, I mean, think if you're Brett Huntley and this is the the hand you've been dealt. It's (laughs) tough, and they're probably playing from behind. Mm -hmm. Saints are scoring points in this game. They're going to have to pass. It's a it's a tough spot for Huntley in this game. I've got a C grade on him, if only because of volume and because game flow should be through the passing game here. I'm giving cautious B grades to Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. Jordy gets um, uh, a good matchup against Sterling Moore, and then more recently Ken Crawley has stepped into the spot that Jordy Nelson should go up against. Those guys have been abused by the likes of Stefan Diggs and Chris Hogan and Marvin Marvin Jones. If there's even one touchdown to go around in this game from Huntley, I think it goes to Jordy Nelson. Randall Cobb has been silent lately, but he's he's got the best matchup on the field. He'll face sometimes safety, sometimes slot guy Kenny Vaccaro, who ranks dead last among safeties by Pro Football Focus. Ouch. So I like Cobb at a B grade here. 
Devontae Adams slips down to a C grade. He's going to get his. Uh, he's going to match up with first round rookie cornerback Marshawn Latimer, who's actually been really, really good. And so I'm going to move uh, Adams down to a C grade. Any other receivers to mention here? Well, how about Martellus Bennett? Your boy. Uh, probably the most disappointing tight end of the year. I had him as my number four tight end going into the season on what I expected to be a good season, and it's been brutal. The Saints have had problems containing tight ends who have who can get downfield and have size. Kyle Rudolph did well. Uh, Rob Gronkowski did well. He always does. Last week, Daniel Fells scored. Tight ends can be a safety valve for a quarterback, so I'm, keep, I'm keeping Bennett on a C grade, but really, my heart says bench him. Okay, all of that, let's go to the running backs. I already told you I'm worried about game flow going away from these guys, and the Saints could take a, a really massive lead early. And you know The Saints haven't allowed a rusher to reach 70 yards since Dalvin Cook in Week 1. I've got a barely C grade on, on Aaron Jones, but you could put him on the bench if you want. Ty Montgomery, though, doesn't have to worry about game flow because if they have to keep passing, then that should go to Montgomery as the pass-catching running back here. So, and the Saints have allowed the six most receptions and the third most receiving yards to running backs. So I think Montgomery's okay in a PPR flat, uh, PPR format, and he gets a C grade. Whew. Get some Whew. oxygen. That was, a that, was lot a lot. Of, that was a lot of talking and a lot of fast talk. Get the oxygen in here. Thank you. Whew. Cowboys take on the 49ers. Scott, talk to me about uh, your thoughts here on what I think is a very exploitable matchup for Dak Prescott in particular. Absolutely. I, I love Prescott this week. He's I my third-ranked quarterback this week, uh, right behind Brady and Ryan in that what should be a shootout. Uh, Prescott is top 10 in passing yards, and he has four straight multi-touchdown games. And the 49ers are bottom 10 against quarterbacks and have allowed three straight 300-yard games. Yeah. Uh, Prescott is second in rushing among quarterbacks behind that? De- Deshaun Watson. Yeah. The 49ers have surrendered the most rushing attempts to quarterbacks, including touchdowns in the last two weeks. Mm. So I give Prescott an A grade. His top receiver, Des Bryant, I also give an A grade. He's got 95 yards or a score in each of his last four games. Second in the NFL in end zone targets with 10. Love him this week. Jason Witten, I give a C grade to. The the 49ers, they've been very, very good against the tight end. No tight end has... Even a C is what I'm saying. I know. No tight end is allowed over 35 yards to a tight end and no touchdowns, but... Witten is like the only tight end playing 99 to 100% of the snaps. He has 60 yards or a score in four of five games. And again, I think Prescott's going to have a good day. I think he might lean on Witten a little more than the other teams have for tight ends. Okay. I'm benching the rest. If you're going to take a dart throw, it's probably Beasley, who's had six targets each of the last two games. But the the other guys, I'm just benching them. I'm not interested. I don't know where it's going to come from. For the 49ers... Uh, Bethard was my take-a-chance-on-me player. I really like him this week. Garcon, obvious start. This week he gets a defense that has allowed two touchdowns to wide receivers in every game of the last four, and he's averaging over 10 targets a game. Yeah. George Kittle, I don't care what people say. I don't care. I'm giving him an A grade. Wow, I like it. In the first three weeks, he averaged six yards per catch. The last three, he's over doubled that. He has 17 targets in the last two weeks. And in the two and a half quarters last week that he played with his former Iowa teammate, Bethard, he had seven targets in two and a half quarters. How about that? And the Cowboys are allowing over 56 yards per game to tight ends. And here's a list of all the tight ends with more red zone targets than George Kittle. Rob Gronkowski, end of list. 
That's it. That's it. George Kittle, A grade. Love George That's Kittle. That's bold. This week. I like it. Can I tell a very it. quick Kittle story? I sure. threw a one dollar bid on him in August in an auction, thinking he was being my cheap sleeper tight end. Like no one's going to bid on Kittle. Right. Some guy goes two bucks, and I'm like, "What is wrong with you, man?" <laughs> This is my childhood friend. I had to buy him. I'm what? Like, you got, yep, yep. You got sniped by George Kittle's childhood yep, friend yep. in an auction league. And yep. now, look, now I'm missing out because of their stupid friendship. He's going to get an A grade there. Uh-huh. So, uh, the last guy for them, Carlos Hyde, 75 yards or a touchdown in every single game this year. He's averaging five targets per game, and Dallas has allowed the last three good starting running backs over 134, 134 total yards. The two that didn't. Paul Perkins and the decaying corpse of Chris Johnson. So I think Hyde's a little better. I'm giving him an A grade. All right, fantastic. Final matchup of this. Well, actually, you know what? We need to take a break. Let's get a break out of the way. Final two matchups, premature speculation, and lightning round all coming up between now and the top of the hour. This is Fantasy Football Weekly, presented by Devonis on the fan. Welcome back to the show. Final segment, Fantasy Football Weekly. Tip of the hat to Week 6 Crush Charge Challenge winner, Chad Salins. Chad will be joining me at Manny's for the Winner's Banquet in January. Oh, it's such a good deal. It's one of my favorite nights of the year. Uh, And his chance at the $2,000 grand prize, you can play for free. Go to grainbelt.com, put together a roster to compete against mine this week. Many thanks to our friends at the brewery, Sean Ryan, Ted, and Jody Marty. Thank you for your ongoing support for the show. Premature speculation. Three guys that you can pick up right now who will potentially be waiver wire uh, waiver wire options next week, but you're already going to have that guy on your team. Scott. I'm going to take, take a page out of your book from last week. I'm going to go with two, but I'll make it quick. Kenny Galladay, Detroit's on by. Golden Tate is supposedly going to miss two more weeks I think after that's the bye. Happen, yeah, yeah, and no one wants to see more of Fels and Ebron in the red zone. No. So let's get Galladay in there. Uh, another one, Josh Doxson. Gruden wants him more involved. What, the wide receivers for Washington are not stepping up. He's got two touchdowns in the last three games. If he scores again, you're not going to yeah. be able to get him. He's so doing him it on no volume, but yes, he, he's he has scored. Yep. All right, uh, Brian, premature speculation guy. I'm going to go Giants wide receiver Roger Lewis. The Giants uh, are going to need a a guy to step up on the boundaries, and I think it's Roger Lewis. Uh, You'll laugh, but uh, targeted 19 times last year, caught two touchdowns. That's a 10-touchdown pace on just 100 targets, and the Giants just lost literally hundreds of targets uh, Mm -hmm. with injury. And And, uh, we mentioned Jeremy Lane's out this week, so he could have a good game this week. He could have a good game this week. He does have a bye next week, but following that, he's got Rams, San Francisco, KC, Washington, Oakland, Dallas, Philly. Those are four-plus uh, four matchups in those six, so uh, Roger Lewis. Uh, I'm going to go back to the well on Thomas Rawls one last time. This is it. this might be the, the last great opportunity to pick him up. Um, he is the He's going to be your starting running back this week. He's not Eddie Lacy's not a factor here. C.J. Procise returns, but he'll probably be in a pass-catching role. And we've seen Rawls in two other games this year in which he entered both games questionable. This is the first time this year we will see him fully healthy coming out of a bye, not on the injury report. Maybe we get the same fully healthy Thomas Rawls we saw the year before last when he forced Marshawn Lynch into early retirement. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go back to our matchups. Final matchup, uh, final two matchups. Broncos taking on the Chargers. Brian. 
All right, uh, these teams met in week one, by the way, so we'll have a little history lesson here. Uh, Demarius Thomas, start with him. He's an easy B. He only had five for 67 in week one, but he should see more targets in this game with Emmanuel Sanders now ruled out. Uh, that might put Benny Fowler in play, who did yeah. have two touchdowns yeah. in week one, or maybe even Jordan Taylor. Uh, Fowler should start in the slot. Taylor should uh, be the other outside receiver. Uh, so, I don't know, Taylor in a Hail Mary uh, take-on play, maybe. Uh, A.J. Derby. Delivered on the triple frown last week in a meaty matchup. I got him on the bench with guys like Nick O'Leary out there that you could stream way mm-hmm. better options. Yep. Uh, Trevor Simeon on the bench as well. Uh, 219 and 2 in week one, which wasn't bad, but I feel like that's a ceiling for him in this one, and he is missing Emmanuel Sanders, so I like other options more than Simeon this week as well. And I'll give CJ Anderson a B. Uh, it's not standing for Bell Cow, though. Uh, just nine carries last week, but the game script. Wow, well, yeah, favor. that thing went ba- upside it down did. early. So, uh, and, and it wasn't like Charles got a bunch of work either. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good matchup for CJ and Denver. They need to lean on CJ to win. Uh, in their two losses, Anderson has averaged nine and a half touches and 30 total yards. In the three games they've won, Anderson has touched the ball over 24 times and 118 total yards. So if they feed CJ, they should both do all right. He's an A start. I yep. love him this week. Well, you said he was an A start last week. I did. And, uh, yeah, little did, little did we know. So yep. we were both wrong. But uh, anyway, over to LAC, uh, the Chargers or Clippers, whatever the F they're called. Uh, I'll start with <laughs> Phillip Rivers. I'm going to give him a C. Only 192 yards in week one, but he did throw for three touchdowns. Uh, we all know Denver is brutal against the pass, and uh, Keenan Allen is banged up, who we'll get to right now. Hurt his shoulder in practice on Thursday. Might not play. Uh, had five catches, 35 yards, and a touchdown in the opener against Denver. That was the first time he played the Broncos since 2014, by the way. Hmm. Pretty crazy. But uh, you just got to monitor Allen on game day. I mean, <laughs> he might not play with that shoulder injury. So... Uh, Hunter Henry will play. Uh, was not targeted in week one against Denver, but he was targeted last week. So now in every game that he at least has one target, he has 80 yards or a touchdown. How about nice. that? So start yeah. Hunter Henry. He's a I B. I love him this week. And uh, you're also, uh, I'm benching the other wide receivers for um, L.A., by the way. And Melvin Gordon, I'm going to give him a B. Uh, more, I'll give him an A. Only 18 for 54 on the ground against Denver in week one, but did catch five balls and scored a touchdown through the air. Uh, Denver is tough to run on, despite Orleans Darqua inexplicably going off against them last week. But Gordon's pass-catching prowess makes him an easy start. He had nine catches last week. All right, final matchup is the Monday Nighter. It's the Washington Redskins and the Philadelphia Eagles. Be great for Kirk Cousins, who saw the secondary in week one, but didn't do much in that game. But that was his first game with the overhauled group of receivers. Now, fast-forward to now, and... Cousins is performing much better. Multiple touchdowns in three straight games, and here's Philly's pass defense ranking 28th against the pass. They've allowed the most completions to opposing quarterbacks this season, so I like Cousins. Um, but pick pick a receiver here. This, this is where it gets hairy. I got a C grade on Terrell Pryor. He, he, he ought to have a good opportunity, but I feel like I say that every damn week. Against opposing wide receivers, the Eagles rank bottom three in targets, catches, receiving yards allowed, so... It's another in a series of good matchups for mm-hmm. Terrell Pryor. Let's just hope he can put it all together here. Jamison Crowder hasn't scored all year, hasn't topped 52 yards in a game, and hasn't topped 15 yards in his last two weeks. i got to put him on the bench. Do- Josh Doxson. Scott just alluded to him. The two touchdowns are great. You know how many receptions he has this year? Four. <laughs> Four receptions this season. Only so maybe this is the breakout game, but I don't know if I'm ready to, to put a starting grade on him yet. Mm-hmm. The guy who I like in the passing game, Chris Thompson. He's always been a good spot starter against defenses that struggle to fend runners against the, in, through the air. That's the Eagles this week. They've allowed the fifth most receptions to runners and the tenth most receiving yards, and Thompson did score in this matchup in week one. All the running backs are on the bench. 
whether other this, the other two running backs, I should say, Thompson's a beast start. Samaji Pirine and Rob Kelly are going to both play. They're both going to share carries. They're going to cannibalize each other. I'm not touching them. Let's go to the Philadelphia. And by the way, Eagles' run defense is number one in the league. So mm. there's that, too. They're giving up 40 yards to running backs <laughs> per game. Wow. That's it. Wow. So let's go to the Philly side. Carson Wentz. A grade for Carson Wentz. And I don't know if I've ever said that on this show. I love the quarterback he's become, and he gets to go up against the Redskins. They're the 21st-ranked pass defense, and they likely won't have Josh Norman in this game. They may very well not have their other starting cornerback. Brashad Breland may not go in this game either. So this is a good opportunity. Last week, C.J. Beathard in his first-ever game action and Brian Hoyer, in his last-ever game action, <laughs> combined to roll up 280 passing yards together. I love Carson Wentz. A-grade. Zach Ertz. A-grade. He's the league leader among tight ends in catches, targets, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. He will be a focal point against a defense that's given up the most receiving yards to opposing tight ends. A++++ for Zach Ertz. 400-yard games out of his last seven against Washington. Outstanding. There's no, there is no metric by which I can think of in which Zach Ertz is not an A grade here. Here comes a zero catch game. <laughs> exactly. It's how it works. Alshon Jeffrey, A grade. Redskins held Jeffrey to three catches and no scores in week one, but that was a different secondary, and that was with Josh Norman. Now Josh Norman's out, so we sh- he should fare much better here. And Nelson Aguilar gets a C grade as well. He uh, also, another benefactor from a dinged up defense and He's actually putting up pretty good numbers, and he had week one, he had a broken play, touchdown, long touchdown reception, maybe gets one here. And finally, LeGarrette Blunt. C grade, Blunt's yardage comes via the ground, which complicates a matchup with the Redskins, who own the number seven ranked uh, run defense at only 87 ground yards per game. They've limited opposing backs to just 3.9 yards per carry, but the whole rushing offense does go through Blunt. He's getting plenty of carries. So we'll try LeGarrette Blunt as a C grade. All right, time for lightning round. You know what this means. One question, one question only between two players. We'll go through as many calls as we can in the next, oh, about four minutes or so, beginning with Gene. Hello, Gene. Hey, how's it going? Good, thank you. Um, so I was going to say, I'm heavy on uh, running backs. I'm doing a trade. Uh, uh, Akeem Hunt for uh, Gronk um, or pick something off for the waivers. Man, there's good tight ends every week. I think I'd just keep Hunt, honestly. Nick O'Leary. Nick O'Leary, George Kittle this week, yeah. 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 And I I love Gronk, but even I would not do that deal. Matt, hello. Hello. Hi, Matt. How's it going, guys? Good, thank you. I've been decimated at injury on a receiver with Beckham and Emmanuel Sanders and Golden Tate. I'm, I'm piecing it all together with running backs, and I've got Murray and Henry, Fournette and Ivory, and I'm really looking at, I've got Frank Gore, but I'm looking if I should drop him and get Marlon Mack. That's it. Can you drop Gore for Mack, I think is the, the, the question we got to at the end, Brian. I think you can. Mack looks like the better running back. They better give him a chance moving forward, uh, more of a chance than Gore. All right. Uh, Pete, hello. Hey guys, trade question. Would you trade McCoy and Case Keenum for CJ Anderson and Big Ben Roethlisberger? Hmm. No. I think LaShawn McCoy is going to be dynamite second half of the season. Actually, I think Ben's going to pick it up a lot too, but 
I wouldn't know. I think you can find help at quarterback. Uh, Derek, hello. What's on your mind? Hi. Uh, question, uh, Latavius Murray or Doug Martin PPR? We'll just start. Oh, I'd Not start close. Martin. Yeah, yeah Martin. Yeah. Easily. Uh, Jeff. Hey, guys. Uh, McCaffrey or Hyde? PPR. PPR. Ooh, I'm still going Hyde. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would do. Yep. I don't like that matchup so much for Carolina. Nathan, hello. Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Nathan. Go yeah, ahead. so I, I have a, a full PPR, Christian McCaffrey or Jarek McKinnon. Uh, I'm going to take McKinnon because he also gives you rushing touchdown prospects that you're not going to get out of out of McCaffrey, who's really not running the ball hardly at all. Zach, you're next. Yeah, non-PPR, Derek Henry or Deion Lewis. Oof, wow. I think I'm still leaning D- Derek Henry. Mark, you're on the fan? Yeah, it's a 50-50, non-PPR. I've got to decide between Wentz at home against the Redskins or Mariota at Cleveland. Oh, we got A grades on both of those yeah. guys. You can't bench Wentz right now. You can't nope. do it. All right. Uh, Mikey, you're next. PPR, uh, Chris Thompson or Willie Sneed. Chris Thompson or Willie Sneed? I'm going to take Chris Thompson. Um, he's going to, I, yeah, we're going to take Chris Thompson. Sneed's still questionable. Yeah, and he is still questionable. Mark, you're you're next. Alan Hearns, Marquis Lee, or Robert Woods? See, it's the Robert tough, Woods easily for me. <laughs> it's the toughest. Oh, I question. had a B on Hearns. A toughest question between it, two players, listeners. Oh, Thank you. Yes, oh. Jessica. Well, show them how it's done, Jessica. <laughs> Jessica, hello. I think we lost Jessica. All right, let's move on. Uh, Graham, you're next. Yeah, Terrell Pryor or Robert Wood, standard scoring. Oh, man. I'll go with Fish's guy. I'm going Woods. All right. Ryan, you're next. I'm a little nervous about Jordy Nelson. I also have Larry Fitzgerald. I don't know which one to go with. Yeah, I'd take Fitzgerald and play that thing safe for sure. Uh, Our final caller today will be Grover. Hello? Hello, uh, Kelvin Benjamin or Sanu? Oof. Benjamin's hurt and Sanu's got an awesome matchup. Yeah. So I'm take I'm taking Sanu in this oh one. I uh, I love Sanu. I take yep. a chance on me wide receiver. Also available in a ton of leagues. Lots of people didn't hold him for the month he missed, and then into bye week. So you can go pick up Sanu right now. Uh, good luck with week number seven, everybody. We'll be back next week for more fantasy football weekly. In uh, one week's time, coming up next, it's the pregame to the pregame show (laughs) for the Gophers this weekend. Stay tuned. Bye-bye. You are listening to The Fan.